Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So glad that you did not make me come looking for you. Oh boy, out of scattered parts throughout Alachia County. High Springs, Low Springs, and the Middle Springs. I'm so honored to be here with you. I'm honored to be here with your pastors. They're people also of impeccable character and integrity. I've known them since, uh, well, they came before the flood. You know what I mean? I came after the flood. So there's a little difference. When they come off the ark, I was there to greet them. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so they've been around for years. His hair is a little bit different color than mine. You can see, I, so, they got a lot more wisdom on me, so we appreciate them. We appreciate the honor to be here and uh, thank God for them that's following in you, that's joining with them to follow the word and the spirit in this day. The last day end time move of God will consist of two particular streams or flows. It'll be a move of the word, staying with the Bible, and a move of the Holy Ghost. Not extreme in any area, but right down the middle. Amen? And that's what this church is all about. That's what you're all about. And it's so good to be here with you. My wife, my son, they send their love. We're in the process of uh, moving. Anybody ever moved? I was glad when they said unto me, let's not pack another box. <laughs> and believe it or not, it's... Uh, Story, I may tell it later, but the real estate agent called me last night and said, you need to get your furniture out. Now the people want to move in next week. I said, that's okay. I'm in Florida. <laughs> tell Patty, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Won't hurt her. No, I'm going to have somebody else do the major lifting. I used to do all that, you know what I mean? But uh, it just got to be that all this major lifting it just decided it's for somebody else, you know what I mean? And uh, I used to drive a furniture truck when I went to Rama Bible Training Center years ago. And so I know how to move furniture. I know how to carry pianos upright, the old time, three, three stories of flights, of stairs, and all this kind of stuff. We used to move a, a three-bedroom, two-bath house in about six and a half to seven hours total and remove it in somewhere else local in the city. So we, I know how to do all that stuff and because I know how to do it, it makes me not want to do it. <laughs> how many of you ever learned a trade or something and you want to say, chicky be shy, passing me by. That belongs to my brother. <laughs> that belongs to my sister. It's not mine, amen? And so once you learn a trade, you want to just pass it on. And that's one thing about knowing how to do a lot of different things. You know, you just become all of a sudden you become very popular. <laughs> but we love you and appreciate you. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy that endures forever and ever and ever. Now, Father, I thank you today that I'll stand in that place to deliver the message of the hour to the church. The message that you sent from heaven for this day, for this hour. Father, I thank you that you make my tongue as a pen of a ready writer. And I pray that every heart will be a receptive heart, 
that every ear will be a listening ear. And Father, I thank you that bondages and chains and shackles will be broken in the realm of the spirit. And I thank you that victory is sure for every individual under the sound of my voice. And Father, we give you the glory for it now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God is with us, he's on our side. Turn to St. John chapter 16. St. John chapter 16. And I'm not gonna share everything with you this morning. I remember this. Uh, I was, Dad Hagen, you know, used to call on me a lot when he was uh, in his meetings, you know, from about 1987 up to 2003 when he went home to be with the Lord. And, and I was in the speaker's room at camp meeting one time. This is the greatest revelation I ever received from Dad Hagen. And I was back there getting all gussied up. The sound man was trying to fix me up and mic me up. And this is during the days of all the suspenders, you know, and you know, we had all that kind of stuff. But anyway, Dad Hagen was sitting on the sofa there in the little speaker's room at the camp meeting uh, behind the curtains. And he said, Brother Andy, he said, uh, you need another revelation. I said, I do. I mean, here stands the prophet of God that stood at the forefront of the prophet's ministry. Apostle sent one to the entire generation. Whether people received him or not, he was sent. And I thought, boy, I'm ready for it. I said, yes, Dad. So the sound man, he quit fooling with me. We both stopped and paid attention. I said, yes, Dad, what, what do I need? He said, you need the revelation that the heart cannot receive no more than the seat can endure. <laughs> and then he started laughing. But I learned him, if you would take those gentle corrections, you'd stay in the pulpit, in his pulpit. But if you didn't, you wouldn't be there no more. I realized what he was doing was gently correcting me. Because back in those days, I could preach three hours and you'd get a six-hour message. <laughs> you remember this? You remember those days? But anyway, I learned that you can't do it all at one time. And I'm not going to try to cause you to go through an endurance, but I want to make sure that we understand what the Lord is saying. I want to make a disclaimer also. I do not know everything. I just know some things. I only know what the Lord allows me to see and understand. And I'm going to share with you, I believe, something that's very important for you this year. A window of opportunity that's been made available from heaven. Since 2006, the body of Christ has been under great oppression, opposition uh, in our country, in our nation. We're on a spiraling downfall in 2008 and there for uh, many years there. We just started going down. We got in more debt in one presidential administration than any other, all previous presidents combined. Now you can blame it on a man, but there was a devil behind it. And I'll not get into all that, but there was a devil behind it, but it's the only time that Jesus appeared to me. I've seen him three times, but he appeared to me during that administration and pointed his finger at me and said some things to me. So I know that this was demonic opposition against the church. It was demonic opposition against the nation. And so from 2006 on up until, uh, you know, the last presidential election, not that Mr. Trump in and of himself can change anything. God's the only one that can change things. So we don't look to men. We look to God behind people. But there was a breakthrough that happened in the realm of the spirit uh, that affects the physical natural world. 
and we're in a time of breakthrough. And remember, Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel prayed and he had great opposition in the realm of the spirit and the devil opposed the answer to his prayer. Finally, 21 days later, the angel showed up and said, from the first day that you set yourself to seek God, your prayers were heard and the answers were sent. But he said, I had to come through all that opposition to bring you the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, we went through hell on earth and I'm not cussing, I'm just making it plain from 2006 on up to a couple of years ago because there was so much oppression over our nation and oppression against this church, but we have got a breakthrough in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that oppression has been released and if we'll go after it, everything that Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed his blood and rose again for us to have, we can have it this year. It belongs to us. St. John chapter 16, verse number 13. Well, we could start reading the whole Bible. All of it's good, but uh, for the sake of time, verse seven, we'll start there first. He said, verse seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus is speaking, it is expedient, which means advantageous, which means necessary, which means good for you that I go away. And his disciples could not understand that, of course. He said, for if I go not away, the comforter who we know, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, will not come unto you. He said, but if I depart, in other words, if I leave this earth, he said, I will send him to you. And we know he was sent. In Acts chapter two, the spirit of God was poured out, right? What happens when he comes? Verse 13, we'll just skip down there. Jesus went on to tell him before he departed, how be it when he, speaking of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God, he calls it here the spirit of truth, all one, it's not three or four different things, it all means the same thing. The Holy Ghost, the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ is all wrapped up in the spirit of truth, right? It says the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he will do what? He will show you things to come. I like to say it this way because it makes it plainer to me. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God will reveal to you future events. Future, he'll show you things to come, where it means that he'll reveal to you future events. Do you know God knows what's gonna happen to you in one hour from now? two hours from now, one minute from now. He knows your future better than you know the past. But you could live and die and go to heaven and never know what God knows unless you spend time seeking him in prayer. And there's no condemnation and there's no, I'm not pressing you to do it. But if you want to know the things of God, you can know them if you'll seek God in prayer. I mean, just lay aside your natural life, so to speak. And I know that's not popular today because we're so busy. Thank you for your enthusiasm, but we're so busy. I got to do this. I know I'm right there with you. We got a lot of things going on. A lot of things have got to happen, but there's got to be time that we set aside to hear from God. He said he revealed to you future events. When I was praying and I was seeking God and I wanted to know in January of this year, actually back in December of uh, 20, uh, what is this? 18, 2017. I was just spending time seeking the Lord, you know, and I wasn't really trying to get him to, to tell me anything about the year of 2018. Really, I never do. I found that it works better for me if I just let him say something to me. I'm not saying you can't ask him because you can, but the way it works with me, it seemed like if I just go right along and just walk by faith and just spend time in prayer and if the Lord wants me to know something about what's going to happen, he'll tell me. 
have a working agreement. Dan Hagen used to call it, he had a working agreement with the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost would show him things, you know. And so in, in December of 2016, during a time of prayer and seeking the Lord, the Lord said something to me that I want to share with you. Are you ready for this? He said, 2018 will be a year of promotion like you have never seen or known. It'll be a time to glean from the seed that you have sown. A time to turn around things that have gone wrong. This is your time. This is your year. Reach out in faith and take what is yours while heaven is near. I'm here to tell you, it's a time of promotion. It's a time to glean from the seed you're sown. It's a time to turn around things that have gone wrong. This is your time. This is your year. Reach out in faith and take what is yours while heaven is near. Now, the Lord has said things to me about things like this over the, in the past years, but I would just drop it. You know, I'd say it and it'd just basically talk about it one time or two. But the Lord said, I want you to stay on this. In fact, he got after me about it. Remember in Gatlinburg, he got after me about it and, and told me some things. We had some, uh, just a, a special experience in one of our meetings there, and I'll not go into it, but one of our services there, we was visited in that service. In fact, the next day in the service, I found myself standing in the chair, <laughs> preaching, standing in the chair. And my son said, Daddy, you didn't do that. I said, I did. I was standing where you're sitting, so you better watch out. I, I, when I come to myself, my board member, he was sitting on the second row, and he had me by the hand, Brother Bill Allen, he had me by the hand, and I was just a preaching away. And I thought, how did I get here? But what the Lord was doing, he had corrected me. He said, you hadn't done, and I had that, we had the visitation the day before. He said, you hadn't done what I told you to do with the message that I gave you in December of 2017 for the year of 2018. I said, Lord, I said, I apologize. What do you mean? He said, I want you to keep preaching it till they get it. He said, just because you preached it one time, he said, you just keep preaching it. Dad Hagen delivered you and I from the law of repetition. I was in his last meeting on the planet in 2003, and do you know, I heard him preach messages that he had preached 50 and 55 years ago. His very last message was that way, that I ever heard him preach. A few weeks later, he went to heaven. He used the same illustrations, the same points, the same scriptures, and I got something different out of it that time, even though I'd heard it probably hundreds of times. So he delivered us from the law of repetition. Why didn't he, didn't he know something different? You think he did? Yes. <laughs> but he wanted us to know. So that's why we're sharing this. This is a year of promotion. It's a year, you could say, a time of harvest. Because we have been in a time of decrease. I mean, since 2006, things have been going down. But things are turning around because of the prayers of the saints. Daniel had to persevere to get through and get an answer. We persevered. You as a church persevered. And it's time for us to get our answers. It's time for promotion. It's time for harvest. It's time for us to go forward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you'll take this word today, you not have to. I'm not forcing it on you. But if you'll take it and believe it and act on some of the things that I'm about to say this morning, I'll guarantee you it will turn your life around. I said, it'll do it. I said, it'll do it. Don't make me come back there. I feel like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, where are we going? If it's in the Bible, 
Turn to Psalm 75. If this revelation is in the Bible, and anytime God speaks to me, always he gives me the principle in the Bible that coincides with what he tells me. A revelation without the word of God is error and false doctrine. Anybody can come up with something that said God said so and so, but can you back it up with the Bible? So in other words, if the Lord said this and was truly a word from the Lord, then there must be evidence in the Bible, in the scriptures that prove out the principles of the prophecy that I just read to you. The reason I read it to you, because I wanted to say it just like he said it to me. So Psalm 75, in verse number five, or verse number six, he said, for promotion, there's that word promotion, right? Promotion, for promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But verse seven says, but God is the judge, he putteth down one and setteth up another. Promotion comes from where? It comes from God. It doesn't come from me, it comes from God. It doesn't necessarily come from you, even though there's a part we play in it. Promotion comes from God. And when God decrees that you're gonna be promoted, you're gonna be promoted. And nothing is going to stop you as long as you do your part and act on the word of God and believe the word of God, it shall come to pass. So 2018 will be a year of promotion like you have never seen or known. A time to glean from the seed you have sown. A time to turn around things that have gone wrong. Reach out in faith now and take what is yours while heaven is near. It belongs to us. So here we see that there is... In the word of God, the proof and truth about promotion. Turn to Genesis chapter eight. It's been a long time since you unstuck those pages. Genesis chapter eight, verse number 20. We're talking about a harvest time, a time of harvest. That's what we're in right now in this year of 2018. But if you don't take advantage of this time of harvest, it can just pass you by. You know, when farmers are out in the field in the agricultural realm, there's a certain time of harvest. In fact, uh, I've moved and relocated. We had to move out of our home into another place that we have at, at the airport where we just built this hangar and everything. We appreciate this church helping us and being involved in it. But uh, we actually put a little apartment. We had offices actually there for, you know, the, our airport facilities but we actually had to turn them into a, a little apartment because we had a little kitchenette, you know, and all that, and a shower. So we actually had to add a shower and another full bath and where my wife, my son, and I could move into it because we got thrown out of our house. It's good to get thrown out, you know what I mean? Because people want to move in. And here we go. So we, we throw it out. So we moved into there. And Noah... Builded an ark, didn't he? Isn't that right? And it says here in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Noah built an ark. But going from my house, my old house, I, you know what I mean. We're signing the papers on it, all that stuff. Sign the contract. I would pass agricultural fields. And there's very lot, not a lot of farming in our area. There's more ranches, you know, cattle, horses, sheep, goats, things like that, because the ground is not real good for, you know, planting and growing things. 
where there's a river bottom, the Verdigree River. Anybody ever heard of the Verdigree River? Anybody ever heard of the Port of Catoosa? Anybody just flat don't care? <laughs> the Port of Catoosa is the furthest main inland port in the United States of America. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They called it Port of Catoosa. And this river, it comes, it comes actually the Arkansas River. Anybody ever heard of the Arkansas River? Arkansas River runs into the Mississippi River. Anybody ever heard of the Mississippi River? Well, if you go up the Arkansas River, up the Arkansas River, that river joins with the Verdigree River in the, actually, Muskogee, Oklahoma. You know where Muskogee is? I was born in Muskogee County, Georgia. I was. And now I live a few miles from Muskogee County, Oklahoma. Except in Georgia, we spelled it with a C, they spelled it with a K out there. I live, I got my pilot license in Eufaula, Alabama. I live just an hour from Eufaula, Oklahoma. There's a Coweta, if you're going up 75, 85, there's a Coweta up there, Georgia. I go to church presently in Coweta. <laughs> I feel right at home anyway. But let me get back to the agricultural farms. The agricultural farmers, I noticed during the harvest time, that's a very intense time. That's when all hands are on deck and uh, there is a river bottom, the Verdigree River, and it comes up and it joins, like I said, the Arkansas joins the Verdigree. Actually, it runs into it. The Verdigree does. And it starts up in a little spring back up in the hills and hollers. But anyway, that's the river you take. It, Arkansas It's a series of locks and downs that goes down to the Mississippi. And it takes you to the Port of Catoosa, which is Tulsa. It's a very busy active place, but it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So anyway, going back and forth to my old house, I would see the farmers out when the crop, in the field this year, they had soybeans. I say this year, this last year. They had soybeans. When there's the soil, uh, the moisture content gets just right. The bean just develops so much that they get the combines out in the field and you know what happens? Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, they got about a thousand acres. They're farming and planting. They're out there working. The only time they stop them combines is to grease some grease fittings and put some diesel fuel on those things and maybe sharpen the head a little bit or do something or adjust something here and there. And they are running them things constantly. You know, they may stop and switch a driver, but even emptying them, they got a grain truck that comes along beside them and the auger comes out of the combine and it dumps that grain. So they're going down to the field and turn around and coming back until they get that harvest out of the field. Why? Because there's only a certain window of opportunity for them to get it out. If it were to rain real hard, then it would destroy the crop because they wouldn't be able to get in there with this heavy machinery. So they got to get it while the time of harvest is ripe. If they don't, they don't make it any money. And everybody loves that M-O-N-E-Y M-O-U-S-E I know y'all thought he was Mickey but that rat's name is Money Mouse. That rat has made more money than any rat I've ever known. Mamas and daddies and grandmas and papas will tell you that rat's made a lot of money. So that thing has made Money Mouse not Mickey Mouse. I'll guarantee you. Anybody ever met him? Money Mouse? Woohoo! It's amazing how popular he is. He likes to get in people's pocketbooks. He can pick your pocket quicker than anything and anybody you've ever seen. It's amazing. So anyway, they work. So it's an intense time of harvest in the agricultural realm when you start bringing in the harvest. 
Well, in the spiritual realm, it's not a time to be lazy. It's not a time to sit around. There is a harvest that belongs to us, but we've got to bring it in. So let's look at uh, Genesis chapter eight, verse number 20. It says, and Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. This is after he had come off the ark. Uh, the waters had receded. Uh, Pastor Edwin and Angela were walking beside him. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm, I'm just showing them honor and respect. <laughs> Noah built an altar. Remember they were before the flood, I'm after the flood. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. In other words, they were offering animal sacrifices to worship God. Jesus Christ has replaced the animal sacrifices. He became our sacrifice. He shed his blood and rose again and now we worship God through Jesus, not through animals, right? Verse 21 says, the Lord smelled a sweet savor and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. Notice here, while Noah is worshiping God, it changed the heart of God. Your worship will change God's heart. He come off the boat and he began to worship God. Other things happened, of course, but he began to worship God. And he said, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake in verse 21 because he had cursed the ground. Remember when, uh, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, he cursed it. Now he's reversing the curse. The quickest way to reverse a curse is to worship God. It's to turn things around in your life is to worship and praise and magnify him and glorify him. In fact, can I tell you something the Lord told me last year? I was walking around in this 7,200 square foot facility, hangars and all. We're getting a larger aircraft, so we need a bigger place to put it, you know. And I was just thinking, I was claiming, I was blabbing, I was grabbing, I was releasing, I was letting go. I'd done everything that Pastor Edwin, Pastor Angela had ever taught me to do and probably a lot of things they never taught me to do. <laughs> and I'm claiming this, believing this, rebuking this and all that. And all of a sudden, this is what the Lord said in my spirit. The Lord said, worship and praise will get you there quicker. Now that doesn't negate that I do what I'm doing but if you'll worship and praise me instead of just constantly confessing it, he said, worship and praising me for it will get you there quicker. So what did you do? I changed a little bit and I started worshiping. I started praising him. I started glorifying him. I started magnifying him. So if you've been confessing, if you've been claiming, that's a good thing. We need to do that. But take time in that process. Just begin to worship him, begin to praise him, begin to glorify him. And I'll tell you, if you begin to magnify God, I'll tell you and begin to praise his holy name, you know what's gonna happen to you. You're gonna find yourself shouting and praising God. In fact, if you do this, don't do it in your skivvies in the house. I'll tell you the truth about it because you're going to get to shouting. You're going to get to praising God and the next thing you know you're going to lose your sense of mind and run out the door and your neighbor's going to see you. And your neighbor's going to say my God there's Ethel again. Oh Lord what's wrong with her? So if you ain't going to put no clothes on you just got to skip his own chain yourself to the dining room table so you can't drag it through the door and begin to praise God. Because I'll guarantee you, if you want God to show up in your house, God showed up where Noah was worshiping. I said God showed up where Noah was worshiping, magnifying him, and praising him. 
Yes, we confess the word. Yes, we claim the word. Yes, we pray the word. Yes, we believe the word. But also we worship and we praise God and we thank God. Noah was praising and worshiping God. He was thanking him. You know what was going on. And so God reversed some curses because of what had happened. Look at verse 22, and this is what I was trying to get to. If you'll let me, you keep holding me back. You know how you do. Verse 22 says, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. He's talking about a natural analogy here that has a spiritual implication. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a harvest, there's a seed time and harvest in the realm of the spirit, just like there's in the natural. Seed time and harvest. There's uh, crops that'll probably be going to the ground already, maybe down here already in the ground, planted. Up my way, it's gonna take a little while. When I got in my aircraft yesterday morning, opened this gigantic hangar door, pushing this button, opened the door, first thing I saw was snow and ice. And I was glad to get into the aircraft and fire it up, boom, 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 push it off, pop the clutch. <laughs> That's good country talk for city folks, you know what I mean? Get that thing going. Had this big leather jacket on, you know, and the sheepskin covers in my seats and all that, all bundled up, buckled up, heater going, taxiing through the ice and snow, and then took off, zoom, and I sang that song, you know that song? I'll fly away, oh glory, you know? And I hunger way up yonder thousands of feet in the sky and all of a sudden I run into a blizzard, a snowstorm. So I can tell you there is a cold and there is a heat. There is a summer and there is a winter. When I landed down here at Gainesville International. <laughs> Gainesville International. First thing I done, there were some folks here greeting me. I pulled my coat off and throwed it on the wing because I didn't need it. I mean, I come from where it was 22 down here to 102. <laughs> so the Bible's true. I'm telling you, it's true. He said, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter. Does it ever get summertime around here? You don't ever have winter, do you? I mean, you have a little bit of winter, you know, but it don't get cold enough to kill the bugs. You know what I mean? I used to live in Columbus. That's the way it was up there. And then day and night shall not cease. Did it get dark last night? They call that nighttime. Is it daylight out there now? They call that day. This is a natural analogy. God said these things are not gonna cease as long as the earth remains. Is the earth still here? How do you know? <laughs> well, I ain't never thought about it, brother. Really? <laughs> I said the earth's still here, so these still work. So there's a seed time and harvest that belongs to you and it belongs to me. But the harvest means work. Turn to Genesis, I mean, we turn to Genesis, turn to Proverbs chapter six. Let me share with you some revelations here. So we got the word harvest, we got the word promotion, we got the word seed time and harvest, so we know that we're in that time. But again, in the harvest, it's an intense time, even in the spiritual realm. When you're needing to harvest or believe in something, it can be very intense. You know what I mean? You have to get focused on it. Has anybody had to believe God for something? Sometimes life and death situations can be very intense. Anybody ever been there? I mean, you gotta believe God and you're fighting for everything within you. you know what I mean? Fighting the good fight of faith. So it's intense time to bring in the harvest. So a harvest time is not a time that you sit around and do nothing. 
So the Bible gives us some examples uh, uh, that he wants us to learn from. The word of God does. So you want to learn some examples out of the Bible this morning? I thought you might. That's why you came. In Proverbs chapter six, verse number six, this is what the Bible says. It said, go to the ant, thou sluggard, which means lazy person. That wouldn't be you. It wouldn't apply to us. It said, consider her ways and be wise. In other words, if you look at the ant and follow the example of tiny, some of the tiniest creatures on planet earth, we can learn wisdom from a tiny creature we called an ant. Now, ants, there are, they say that there's 12,000 species of ants. Some say there's 15,000 species of ants worldwide. And Florida folks know there's a heap of ants everywhere. <laughs> You're constantly combating the ants because they're, they're actually little creatures that can get anywhere and they're very persistent. Isn't that right? But he said, consider the ant. In other words, he wants us to learn a lesson, a spiritual analogy from a natural event. That's what he wants us to do. This ant, verse seven, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the what? Harvest. In other words, they don't just sit around and do nothing. They go to work. When the, when the grasshopper's out there dead, they go get it. Isn't that right? Verse nine says, how long will thou sleep, O sluggard? And when will thou arise out of thy sleep? He said, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. In other words, he said, if you'll just look at the ant, you can become wise. The ant doesn't sit around in time of harvest and not gather the harvest in. In fact, the ants, what they do is they form lines. You ever follow the ant line somewhere, you know? The ants come marching one by one. Hoorah, hoorah. Did you ever sing that? They'll be singing it the rest of the day. Amen. Then they go two by two and three by three and over to this and hit my knee. And, oh, you know Ants come marching around the town and into the ground and down the drain and out in the rain. <laughs> Y'all remember them songs? See, I'm educating you. I mean, I'm telling you. You get a lot out of my services. <laughs> we as kids, we used to sing it. Some of y'all know. Y'all know it. If you don't know it, your granny does. Well, I guarantee you. They can tell you about it. They not remember the words, but it'll come back to them. But we remember them songs. So he said, if we'll look at this ant, we can learn something. The bottom line is the ant is not lazy. Number two, number one, the ant is not lazy, but number two, when there's a job that needs to be done, the ant gets after it. Which means if there's a harvest to be brought in, if there's food to be obtained, the ant goes gets it. There are worker ants and there's ants there that's just with the queen bee. There's only queen ant. There's one queen ant. She lays like thousands of eggs a day. And there's other ants there that just fertilize those eggs. That's all they do, ants. Others are worker ants that go out and bring in the food. And others take care of the larvae of the little ants. Said, so why do you study all this? Because the Bible said learn from the ant. In other words, all of them is working. Nobody is sitting around doing nothing. 
Even the queen is laying the eggs. The queen ant. So if you're the big queen and king, it's time you do something too. <laughs> in other words, you've got to lay the eggs. You've got to do something. Everybody is at work in an ant colony. It's time to keep everything working, everything operating properly, every, all the food coming in, all the little babies being born, all this kind of stuff. Everybody's working in the ant colony to cause it to work correctly. And it works the same way spiritually. If you'll do your part, God has already done his part and you will bring in your harvest, but you can't be lazy in doing it. Amen? I know you're ready to receive it. Isn't that right? Another thing about the ant, are you ready for this? Are you ready for it? You sure? The ant can lift 50 times its body weight. 50 times. That means it's comparable to him. Mr. Anderson here. Him go and find an African elephant, full grown male bull elephant and lifting it over his head. Now get to it, buddy. Get to it. That's comparable to a human being taking a full-grown African bull elephant, the largest in the world, and picking it up over their head. The ant can pick up 50 times its weight. And that's one of the smallest creatures on earth. Not the smallest, but one of the smallest creatures. And look at us as human beings. How much you've been benching in the gym? He said, zero. At least you're honest, brother. That's it. You don't have to come to the altar. It's all right. Yes, you got it. <laughs> you got it, brother. 50 times its weight. But God put within that little ant the capacity to lift 50 times its weight because he knew he would need it to survive. God provided for the ant. Now Listen. Even though God takes care of the ants, don't you know that he loves you more? Don't you know that he put with you in within you the capacity to do anything you needed to do to live in this life, to have anything you needed? You can lift 50 times your weight, spiritually speaking. You can do anything you need to do, spiritually speaking. God has already provided it for you. He's given you that ability. It's in you right now. But whether you use it or not, it's up to me and it's up to you. Ants also can pull 30 times its weight, which is not an African elephant to human beings, but it's still a lot. Listen, I believe this stuff. I said, how do you know? Because I've seen that world's strongest man competition before. You ever seen that? Some of them fellows that eat a lot of cornbread and butter beans. Have you seen them? My Lord, they walk around with muscles and they can't, and they, they have where they actually lift a car. You ever seen it? They get inside of a car. They'd cut a hole down there and they pick this thing up and see who can run with it a lot further. You remember that? Well, I expect to see you Flintstone folks lifting your cars out of the church today <laughs> and get her going. But these guys have got ability in them that they tapped into. Isn't that right? Everybody has the ability, but very few tap into it. Because you have to pay a price to pick up a car. <laughs> Isn't that right? Pay a price. 
spiritually speaking, there are things that we need to do and they're really not hard at all. In fact, it's so easy to receive from God, most Christians never do it. That wouldn't be you. Don't look down. Don't frown. Because this is your time. This is your day. This is your opportunity because we're going out in a brand new way. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. Talking about harvest. This is a time of harvest. Again, while I'm harping this, I've been preaching this since first of this year. I dropped it till our meeting in Gatlinburg. And the Lord got after me about it. I had an experience. I'll get into that. But anyway, Proverbs chapter 10, verse number four. The Bible says, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Notice we got the word harvest here, just like we had it earlier. But notice you don't get the harvest and you don't get the prosperity. You don't get the answer unless you go after it. And of course, you already know this. I'm preaching to, as we'd say in the country, preaching to the choir. So there's no condemnation. I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching up to you. That applies to me as well as anybody else. I just want you to get it. You know what I mean? I want you to have it. The way you bring the harvest in is through faith. Because we talked about it. Pastor Edwin was, was teaching us about it this morning and talking about it. But in Hebrews chapter 11, let's look back there. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We know that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one. says, now faith is the subject of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. I think this verse has tripped up more Christians than any other verse in the Bible. It's because it's it's, they never get to the latter part of this verse. Verse six says, but without faith, it is impossible, which means not possible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse one, Hebrews 11. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's good to have hopes. It's good to have dreams. It's good to have desires. But it says that faith faith is implied here, is the evidence of things not seen. So I want to concentrate on that for the rest of the service. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. When you're in faith, you don't have to see it to have it because you already got it. When you're in faith, you don't have to see it to have it because you already got it. When you're in faith, you don't have to see it to have it 
because you already got it. Faith must become past tense. Whatever you're believing must become past tense. If you're hoping that it's going to come to pass, you're looking forward into the future, that is wonderful, but that is hope. Faith says, I have it now, it's already mine. I don't see it, thank you. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. And to me, this particular latter phrase trips up more Christians in the body of Christ, in, in my opinion. I don't know every Christian, and I'm sure it wouldn't trip you up, but I see it tripping up a lot of people. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. They think faith, many people, put it like this, many people think that faith is when you believe God for something that you're going to get one day. No, when you get in faith, you got it right then. Said, where is it at? Well, that's God's part. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. If it don't become what you're believing, if it does not become past tense, present tense, then past tense, to you, it is not faith. Can I give you a good example? A recent example in my life. And I've had this happen over and over. And again, it's not because I know everything. It's because I was forced to learn to believe God. Forced. Uh, you know, I've got books out there of my life story talking about how I spent over 10 years of my life behind prison bars. They told me I'd be released from prison on parole in the month of none. And remember, I got very excited until I went and looked at the calendar. There's no such thing as a month of none. <laughs> but God taught me how to believe his word. I was a born-again Christian. I got born again. I turned myself in on my third escape. I turned in. I got gloriously born again. And God taught me how to believe his word and walk out of that prison way back yonder years ago in 1984. Come to the Lord in 1982. But just recently, you know, we, we realized that we need to make some changes and adjustments. I'd seen them coming. I'd put it like, I saw it coming three to four years earlier, but I didn't say nothing to my wife. I didn't say nothing to my son because my wife don't like to move. Pastor Angela don't like to move. <laughs> ah, we don't like to move. And I didn't want to say nothing to my wife. I knew the time would have to be right, but I could see it coming down the road. He will show you things to come. He'll reveal to you future events. And it don't mean you just act on it right away. He just pray about it. But in the house one evening, I just told my wife, you know, my son was standing there. I said, well, and we were sitting there in the living room. Randall had just come in from a flight somewhere. And uh, I said, we're going to sell our home and we're going to move. <laughs> my wife's reaction, I've been married to her now for almost 35 years. My wife's reaction is always, no. <laughs> no. So you have to learn that. Initially, initially, it caused a lot of uh, misunderstandings. <laughs> I never get invited to preach marriage seminars. Because <laughs> I, I tell the doggone truth. You know what a marriage really is? Let me tell you. A marriage is like a battery in a car. You always marry somebody opposite of you. A battery on it, a car battery, a tractor battery, whatever, has a positive pole and a negative pole, and never the twain shall meet. If you ever put both of them together, sparks fly everywhere. 
So marriage is filled with sparks. <laughs> you take a negative post and a positive post and put them together. Shoo! Anybody ever done that mistakenly? I have. I've been working on putting in a battery and touch the side of the firewall, you know. And the fire flew, you know. You ground that thing out. So I had to learn my wife. I just know initially it's always no. No, we're not, we're not, I just let her simmer a while. You know what I mean? Like putting the beans on the stove. <laughs> then let her simmer. It'll boil over. You have to pull the top up every now and then, you know, and let the steam out. <laughs> I'm telling the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the doggone truth. <laughs> but my wife assures my son, we still love one another. <laughs> have a good time. <laughs> so it was no. Oh. And then when the, I, the pot, I was able to put the lid back on the pot, you know, and let it simmer some. She sat down there on her, uh, what they call it? This, you got a big sofa in there and then a smaller one. Love seat. Well, she, that's why she never sat beside me on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Anyway, we got that thing bajig in there, you know what I mean? So she sat down over there and I was sitting in my easy chair. You kick back and all that and all that stuff, you know. I'm sitting there and I, and I immediately, I knew the moment I said what I was about to say, she would embrace it. But she had never thought about it. So I told her, this is why we got to move. When I said that, she just, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right, that's right, that's right. But initially it was, no, oh, let the fire fly. My God, put them together. And my son, he was about to pass out because he knew that, you know, we don't hastily do anything around there. What? what? And then when I said it, he heard it too. That's right. That's right. That's right, Daddy. That's right. I said, yeah, that's right. I said, that's why we got to move. I said, we've been released from a particular thing that God had called us to, we'd been released from it because the Lord had told us months earlier, in fact, at the end of 2017, and he said, in order to do what we're going to do, we need to reposition ourselves and uh, so we can be in the right plan, will of God. So they agreed. So what has this got to do with faith? What has it got to do with evidence of things not seen? Well, after I got her into uh, understanding why we needed to move, then we needed to sell our home. And of course, uh, we spiffed it up, you know, some. I hired some people to come in. We hired some stagers. You know, you ever, you know what, these staging folks? Pastor Angela's probably good at all that stuff, you know. And they threw part of my doggone, they took my doggone lounge chair, my easy chair out. Get that thing out of here. You clutter up the house. You got to make it look like you don't live there to sell a doggone thing. Had to get clothes out of her closet. Had to get my dirty drawers out and everything. My God, this everything. I mean, make it look like a model house. They had this person come in there, you know, and telling all this stuff, and Chris, out of her office, we had him walking around with a pad. I mean, a legal sheet. Oh, boom, my God. I said, I got to move too. She said, it would be good if you did. <laughs> I started to give her one. But anyway, I'd been trained not to do that. 
Then we done what they told us to do in the natural, you know what I mean? Which wouldn't, I mean, sounded like a lot, but it, and it was a lot of intense things for a few days. And then I said, uh, honey, I said, let's, let's, get, let's pray. I said, Randall, come, let's pray. So we're going to pray the prayer of agreement. And I said, we're going to agree that our house is sold in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we stood right in our kitchen. You know where our kitchen is. It kind of flows into our dining and then it flows into the living room. It's got a bar right here and a bar right here. And you walk around that bar and then you got the sink and then you go to here the gas stove and you got the microwave here and the oven down here. And you got another bar over here, the coffee, and you turn around here and you got the big... Y'all know where that is, right? Anyway, we were standing right there. So in order to get this to work, you've got to be standing right by this bar area. You know what I mean? I wanted to get the whole picture. And we joined hands and I said, now this is a prayer of agreement, not the prayer of everybody praying in different directions. And I said, we're going to agree on one thing, that our house is sold for a goodly sum in the name of Jesus. We didn't name the amount because I hadn't even called anybody. I mean, I could figure, you know, what things are selling for, but I'm not the real estate person. You need somebody that knows what they're doing. You know, I, I did. And I said, we're going to agree it'll sell for a goodly sum. Can you all agree? So, yeah, yeah, let's agree. So we joined hands. The Bible says, if two of you agree as such, anything that they shall ask, it should be done for them by our Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst. So we agreed together that our house was sold and it was sold for a goodly sum in the name of Jesus based upon that verse as soon as we got through praying, immediately I didn't say nothing to them. I was raising my hands and said, thank you, Lord, my house is sold. My house is sold. It's not going to be sold, see. It's sold now. I said, it's sold now. It's past tense. It's sold now. I said, it's sold now. And if it's not sold now, it's not sold. I said, if it's not sold now, it's not sold. So we went to church on Sunday. People knew that, you know, the wind, did, you know, you know how news travels. We walked in and... Uh, <coughs> One of the church members come up to us, yeah, we heard you're going to sell your house. Heard you're going to sell your house. And I just politely said, uh, uh, our, our house is sold. Oh, you got a contract on your house. Well, that, that was reasonably fast. So I had to stop and explain to the faith person, my house was sold in the name of Jesus because we prayed the prayer of faith. And they looked at me like I was lying. They did. They looked at me like I was alive. When pastor gave the altar call, they wanted to point me out and make him go down there. Went to another one. They come to me. I didn't go to them. They come to me. Oh, I heard you're going to sell your house. I said, no, we're not going to sell our house. Well, Tony told me you was. I said, no, Tony's got it wrong. Well, I gotta go talk to him. I said, wait a minute, before you talk to him, we're not going to sell our house. I said, our house is sold. They said, oh, you got a contract on it this quick? I said, I did not say that. I said, my house is sold. They rolled their eyes and looked at me like, my God, I better call the pastor. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. If you gotta see it to have faith for it, it is is not faith. Faith is always present tense, moving past tense. It is never future tense. Faith is now. Dad Hagen's got a sermon. Don't know if it's in that book he was telling you this morning, but it's called Faith is Now. Now faith is or something. It might be in that book. It's got to become past tense, and that's where the majority of the Christian world, faith folks, miss it. They're wanting, it's going to be something. God's going to do it for me. No, it's got to be done 
now, the moment you prayed. So in my mind, my wife's mind, my son's mind, and my wife, she started to, started to repeat, just not, not meaning to, something when the church member said, I said, hold it, hold it, hold it. Don't say that out of your mouth. She said, oh, that's right. She said, we've already said our house is sold. It's sold. I said, that's right, honey, his house is sold. And the man said at the church, why do you need a real estate agent if your house is sold, big boy? Not understanding. Not understanding. Travels all over the world as a missionary. Broke, busted, and disgusted. <laughs> Forgive me, but I'm telling you, you don't have to be broke no more. You don't have to be poor no more. You don't have to be sick no more. Jesus has done it all, but it's got to become present tense and move past tense, never future tense. I called the real estate agent. He come into the house, looked around. He done got, went through and these paperwork and other somebody on said that we ought to sell for this and it ought to be this and all that. They sell them too much for a square foot in this. I said, brother, I said, this is going to bring a goodly price. He said, well, I'm ready to sign the papers. He said, I'm going to start showing it. I said, no, in the name of Jesus, you are not going to show my house. What's wrong with you? I said, you're going to sell it. It's already sold. You don't show my house. You can show their house, not mine. 18 days, 18 days, 18 days. People from Germany come flying in. His executive vice president of Nordam Aerospace took one look at our house. His wife fell in love with him. Wouldn't look at another one. Signed the contract and they're trying to throw me out to move me out next week. This is the other way, the other word. It's sold for more money per square foot than any house ever recorded in history that ever sold in Woodland Hill Subdivision, which is pretty large. We're taking the equity for that home and paying cash for another home. Hallelujah. Said, Brother Randy, what happened to you? I saw Pastor Edwin when he come off the ark. My God, I'm telling you. But that's the way it works. It must become present tense, then past tense, faith is. It never can be future tense. Future tense is hope. And there's another message. There's another side to this message. But I don't, that's not my message this morning. You know what I mean? There's another side about the manifestation. But still, it'll be no manifestation until you get in faith, which means that presently I believe that it's done. When you walk away from that place, past tense is done. I'm not looking for it to happen one day. Right? That's how you're going to bring in the harvest. What is it that you desire to see come to pass this year? What is it that you want to see happen in your life this year? Don't haphazardly take a stab at it. Get the Bible. Find scriptures. You don't have to get every scripture in the Bible. Find you some scriptures that promises you 
what it is that you want God to do for you. We took the scripture at the book of Matthew, the prayer of agreement, and we stood on that one scripture and that one scripture <coughs> worked for us. Now, not just once, but many times this has worked for me over the years and over the years and over the years. Many times it has worked for me. But again, when you're truly in faith, you're not going to get it one day. It's already yours. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Until it becomes present tense, then past tense, it's really not faith. You're hoping, you're dreaming, it's good to have hopes, it's good to have dreams, but it's not faith. Until you get it just in your spirit. Now, where does your head come in at all this? What you got to do is cut your head off. We ought to have a head chopping off service, you know what I mean? We have to change the sign. This is called the head chopper church. <laughs> I'm joking. But your head will give you trouble. Can I, can I tell on myself? When I said that, when I declared that, when I told that to the real estate, the first thoughts that come to my mind, you don't believe that. Ain't no way. Ain't no, there's houses sitting in this neighborhood that's been on the market for over a year and a half. And you're talking about your house is sold. I'm talking about nice houses too, you know. We're in a nice community. Nice houses. Year and a half. What are you? Look at there. You can't do it. Ain't no, ain't no way. It ain't done. And the enemy's trying to get me back over here into the sense realm. Because in the sense realm, it didn't make sense. It don't make sense. My head, it didn't make sense. Oh my God, it don't make sense. But what did I do? Every time my head began to think that way, I wouldn't say it. In fact, they had what they call them highfalutin folks that come through and inspect your house, you know. Then people hired an inspector. Well, the real estate agent come through and said they're looking at this and they're, they're looking at that and they're looking at foundation issues and all that. I didn't even tell my wife because I knew if I told her, <laughs> I didn't say a word to her till last night because I just, she said, well, why didn't you tell me? Don't keep secrets from me. I said, I wasn't keeping a secret from you, honey. I was keeping it from the devil. I don't want to say them things out of my mouth. Because I knew it was all opposition because none of those things are wrong in our home. No, it didn't have no foundational issues. It didn't have nothing. I've lived in the doggone thing for 13 years, built it brand new. They overpoured the concrete on the foot a little bit and the concrete sloshed out. You ever, anybody been a builder? Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you pour a foot in, you, you overpour it sometimes, it sloshes out on the ground. They was thinking the concrete was busting up. You know what I mean? But anyway, it's sold, it's done. Why? Because we called it Present tense, then past tense. And until faith becomes past tense, it's mine now. It's really not faith. And I believe that's the key issue that the church world as a whole, faith world, has. Is to get it, because in the sense realm, you want to see it. And my mind doesn't. I'm not going to say your mind won't give you trouble, because it will. But you just got to constantly come against that, just say what the word says, and just say what you believe. That's what we did. We just constantly said what we believe, and it all came to pass just like that in the name of Jesus Christ. Came to pass so quickly, like I said, they're trying to throw me out this coming week. They want to close this week sometimes, down this end. So thank God for it. I said, let them have it. The ants come marching one by one. <laughs> let, them, let them march. God is with us, ladies and gentlemen. This is your time. This is your year. This is your opportunity. It's a time of harvest for you. 
If you'll go after it, this year you can reap the harvest and nothing is going to stop. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.